the Devil's Ball, where podcasts where we talk about horror and genre films in a positive and constructive manner. I'm Samuel Newman, and with me as always is my co-host uh, Nathaniel Johnson. How are you doing today, Matt? Doing okay. Doing yep. okay. Hmm? I'm feeling a little out of the weather, but uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll plow through like a trooper. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we have very special guest, my wife, uh, Jen. How are you doing today? Those are my credentials. Yes. yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Pleased to be here as always. Uh, it's it's always I always like to correct the uh, you are her husband I think right uh, yeah um, <laughs> she's I can never uh, get that right she's the boss I think so right. uh, and, and then the what dog a, is trying to squeeze it on us as well so uh, oh, that's okay what was the dog's name again Layla Layla is she still yeah. enjoying that uh, that gag gift I got you yes <laughs> yeah good good she I. Uh, I <laughs> to clarify for the to clarify for the listeners at home, uh, uh, obviously we've documented uh, Samuel's uh, hatred for Hocus Pocus, right? And while I was shopping for um, some throw uh, blankets for my uh, movie room for the recliners I have, I came across a Hocus Pocus blanket that was actually relatively affordable, and I said, "Hmm, I'm going to put that aside, and one day <laughs> I'm going to troll Sam for that. Right. I'm going to send it to him." And then, of course, our friend Steve passed away, and I said, "Well, this is the perfect opportunity to uh, cheer Samuel up a little bit." And so I, right. I sent it to him. Um, and but uh, it, it's a small blanket, so obviously I knew it, you wouldn't get any actual use out of it. Like it's not a human-sized right. blanket. Um, the, the blankets I have are literally just for this recliner, and you kind of like can throw them over your lap when right. you sit on the recliner but you can't like sleep with it like you can't wrap yourself up in it no, no. so but I, and then you said well i threw it on the floor <laughs> and the jog jumped on it and i'm like well great that's uh-huh. fantastic so she right. can she can get it and you can be always reminded about how much you hate hocus pocus, pocus. pocus. right um, just the notion yeah. of being wrapped up in bed mittler's face is a little bit disconcerting it's a little odd isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, I one of my throw uh, blankets is a, a Nightmare on Elm Street one, and it's the same thing. I was like, I don't know if I would wrap myself up in a Freddy Krueger blanket. Like, it's right. that seems odd, but um, but of course there are more insane things released with Freddy Krueger's face on it, including children's oh, sure. pajamas. So, right. um, uh, you know, he's a child molester and child murderer, but put on your Freddy Krueger pajamas. It's time for bed. <laughs> um, oh, like you wouldn't have a pair if you were a kid. Yeah, well, if I, yeah, I probably, yeah. I mean, if I were, I mean, obviously that's a whole other conversation. One we've kind of sort of had, I think, about like, you know, how much Freddy Krueger is geared towards younger viewers anyway, right. in a, you know, in a certain way that, um, you know, franchise horror is sort of aimed at a particular audience and it's not necessarily adults. But um, what are we doing this week? Uh, we're doing Interview with the Vampire, continuing right. on with our. Was it Return of the Vampire Month or? I don't know what were you putting on the cards. I think you just said uh, Vampire Month two. Yeah, it was like Return yeah. of Vampire Month or yeah. Vampire Month Returns or. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. drawing a blank. That's okay. You you're, you you just make them and all. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. the Vampire Ending. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Vampire but, Two Electric Boogaloo. Vampire Two Electric. I like that one. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we were doing Interview with the Vampire. Obviously, we threw this one uh, to kind of together at the last minute. Uh, we were originally going to do Lost Boys, and then um, our it was Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, our schedule was a little bit. Yeah. yeah, our schedule was a little bit off. So, 
Um, and so last minute we got to interview the vampire and then Jen's joining us uh, for that. And uh, I guess you're a fan of the books, Jen. I did enjoy the books. Yeah. It was a certain, you know, certain time period in my life, you know, late high school, definitely mm-hmm. a, um, uh, at, uh, what they call now emo, but was all goth back right. in the day. Sure. Like you, it was a rite of passage that you had at least a little, portion of this book on memory for whenever someone dropped a quote um so i'd read it quite a few times and um i do remember seeing this when it came out and being and you know in the build-up to the movie being slightly befuddled on some of the choices (laughs) and then watching it and being further befuddled by different choices so i think there's a lot to talk about good i'd like to get your thoughts on that actually because it's been forever since i've read the book i read it Likewise. yeah uh i think i read it once or twice back in like middle school early high school and it just never came up again for me to read it again um uh but i do love the film in fact uh, it's the reason why we ended up coming back to interview the vampire was originally it was going to be my other choice for this month and then sam had mentioned maybe doing near dark and then i had said well let's do the hunger that's how that went um but um interview with the vampire does still work though because I, I one of the reasons why i swapped to the hunger was realizing the rest of our choices were uh in the going in the direction of uh you know being kind of queer or um gender uh having things to say about gender or uh identity sexuality uh, that I thought the hunger would make sense. And then right. we were going to the Lost Boys because it was also queer. But then I was like, well, no, we'll go to the ultimate queer vampire story interview with the vampire. And so, again, with that, the, the disclaimer, as always, uh, we're straight white people um, and we will try to be sensitive about that subject. Um, but just apologies in advance. If we end up saying something that will bother somebody, we don't mean to. We are uh, we're well-meaning people uh, who are very LGBTQ plus friendly um but i probably should do the vitals and then we can jump into this right yep all right there's, there's a dog um because you're both in there right that's how that right. works yeah yeah okay. the dog has to be with with us you know oh no that's oh no of course that's what dogs do yeah. um i think all my cats are uh all like fucking 17 of them are all uh sleeping soundly somewhere or other so and that's what cats do yeah yeah, yeah. so if the you see them once a day it's a miracle Mm-hmm. Oh, these ones are all over me, but I but right now right. they're behaving themselves. Yeah. That's um funny. yeah. Um yeah, they don't tend to bother me when I do uh when I do this for whatever reason. Um they will bother me like when I'm pooping, but they won't do it when I'm bo- right. when I'm doing my <laughs> podcast. But um but yeah, uh so interview the vampire. Um re- lately retitled as Interview the Vampire Colon, the Vampire Chronicles, uh was released in 1994, directed by Neil Jordan. Uh, written by Anne Rice, who did the screenplay adaptation of her own novel. Uh, we've got starring Brad Pitt. Uh, we've got uh, Tom Cruise, Christian Slater, Kristen Dunst, uh, Sandy Newton. Uh, yeah, probably. I, 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 there are there are some good Kristen Dunst roles, but yeah, this might be. It's interesting that she may have peaked at like eight uh, or how old she was. But uh, Antonio Banderas. Uh, Stephen Ray uh, pops up in this thing. Or is it Rhea? It's Stephen Ray, right? Hmm? Stephen Ray? I don't know. Oh. 
Okay, he's a pretty famous actor, but I thought I mean I'm just making sure I'm pronouncing his name right. But I think it's it's either Rhea or Ray or uh, Stephen Ray. But anyway, we'll call it Stephen Ray. Yep. Um, and that's kind of our major uh, major cast. I did mention Tandy Newton just because uh, this is actually something of a pre-fame role for her. She's only in it for a minute or two, but she actually right. would actually go on to co-star with Tom Cruise in um, Mission Impossible Two. Mm-hmm. Um, so she actually she's actually had a hell of a career. Um, and then we're going to uh, give out some uh, shout outs here to Elliot Goldenthal uh, for doing the score. Uh, Philippe Rousselot as the cinematographer. Uh, great cinematography in this particular picture. Uh, Malcolm Middleton, art direction, um, set decoration, Francesca Loeschiavo, costume design, Sandy Powell. This is a very technically sound movie, so I'm going to call out right. a lot of these people. Um, and then, of course, we've got... Um, uh, Stan Winston uh, doing the vampire effects in this picture um, and his studio. Um, lots of other people here, but uh, those are the main ones. Um, and so where do we begin with Interview with the Vampire? Um, I have always loved this movie um, for pretty much ever since I saw it. I think I saw it shortly after it came out. I didn't see it in theaters. I know that. I saw it uh, when it came out, pretty sure it was an HBO free preview because that's how you did things back in 95, right. 96. Um, and I loved it. And um, every time I watch it, and including this time, this yes, last night's no no exception, what I'm always struck by is how much more nuance and, and pathos I see from the performers in this movie. This is quite possibly one of the best acted movies um, I think I've ever seen. They are, um, everybody is just so good in this movie and are putting so much subtle work. Um, like every time I watch this, I feel more and more sympathy for Lestat. Right. Um, I feel, I, I feel less sympathy for Louis every time because I realize more and more Brad Pitt's not playing a moral character. Right. Um, he's playing a very broken character. Um, but they're all doing these um, really stunning performances i like claudia less and less every time i watch her she's great in the movie the character is right. an interesting character mm-hmm. but i start re- like thinking every single time i watch this movie i'm like claudia's like toxic as hell like holy shit like oh yeah you know um and i and that was like my main takeaway and i, I guess i'll start with this as my sort of a main thesis and then we can maybe jump from here um this is also the first time i ever really read the movie as um sort of an allegory for cycles of abuse mm-hmm. um that um ultimately what this movie kind of boils down to is louis saying i was in a bad place wife and kid died i latched on to a really toxic relationship um i we i wasn't happy in that i wasn't fulfilled so i jumped into another toxic relationship mm-hmm. um finally with just as that was winding down um I caught myself before I jumped into a third toxic relationship and I backed out. And now after 200 years, I've finally gotten my shit together and have come to the realization that I am at least somewhat complicit in this cycle. And I've now broken it. um, And I've come to terms with myself a little bit. And then Christian Slater says, well, do you want to be my, you know, old vampire daddy? (laughs) And, uh, and he's like, that's what you're taking away from this. Like, is that you think I want another toxic relationship? 
Like, um, and so I think that's that interested me that this time around because I was thinking about uh, what Louis gets from the telling and also if this is an unreliable narrator. Um, but I came to the realization that because it mean obviously the unreliable narrator thing has some merit because mm -hmm. Louis is talking, he's telling the story and everybody in it is kind of like, to, to I think on the surface, it looks like, you know, Louis wrongs nobody, everybody wrongs Louis, um, right. you know, but then I came to the realization when I finally came to that point where I was like, well, no, actually, he's kind of blaming himself for this cycle that he's in, that it's actually more of an uh, uh, overly reliable narrator or an unreliable narrator who's way too aware of himself. Right. Um, and so uh, that's how I was looked at it this time around. And this, I've seen this movie a million and a half times. So what uh, do you guys have thoughts on that? Uh, do you agree, disagree? What do you think? I, I don't, I feel that um, Louis is like the worst kind of passive aggressive all in all of these relationships which he claims may or may not be his fault you know right. he 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 can't deal with losing his family who can but he doesn't make an effort to do that he just right. tries to slip out of life and stumbles into somebody who makes it okay for him to live the half-life that he seems to want where he's not part of anything or he's right. a part of this and a part of that so he doesn't owe anybody anything and then you know they come to you know oh everything's all the stats fault boohoo and then you know the whole claudia situation happens where he didn't make her necessarily but he made the entire um you know situation possible for her, her to be made and then oh he didn't make her mean it was Lestat that made I mean every every single thing is just a drifting down of a, a, a river of none of this is my fault yeah there's a there and, is a, absolutely there's a total lack of responsibility uh, in Louis's part yeah yeah and like I mean granted at least at the end he comes to the point where he's just not dragging else anyone else into his nonsense but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a win it just feels like less of a loss like mm. well at, at least it's just you and your bullshit now and you two are the ones that have always been closest so maybe you should just stay together but um even then he still rifts into Lestat and then takes no responsibility for the fact that that guy's been eating alligators for 200 years and right. you know just it's never Louis's fault yeah. everything is just you know passive aggressive and ennui and you know as much as I, again I, I read these books at a very different time in my life but I'm yeah. like oh my god get over yourself pretty much the whole time <laughs> yeah um that's you mean now or back then now now okay before I felt I I think I felt more empathy in the past for Louis because you know especially like you know, like everything is despair. You understand, you know, that kind of thing. Now I'm just kind of like, you know, here's a tissue. Let's right. Get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would say together. there are, uh, there are things, there are moments in this movie that I feel uh, a very deep connection to Louis, but, um, uh, but at the same time, like part of that is also recognizing 
there are definitely things about him I do not connect with. And, right. um, but yeah, that his lack of responsibility is one of those things I do not feel kinship with him on. I mean, yeah, life is hard for everyone in various yeah. ways. Like, right. dude, bring it together. Yeah. Well, uh, with with those things, like uh, there are a couple lines that hit me every time. Of um, Lestat says it's after he's bitten um, uh, Claudia. Louis runs right. off into the rain, and and Lestat says, "Oh, Louis, how you love your precious guilt." Um, (laughs) and then there was, um, he's talking to Armand and Louis says, how am I supposed to find connection when I am at odds with everything I always have been? Um, I felt like very much like, yeah, that that's how I felt my whole life is I've never connected or felt like a part of anything. Um, and then Armand kind of trying to say, well, that's exactly why you are connected is that the reality of life is you're not connected um the the era we live in now is a lack of connection um right. and so that lack of connection is the connection but it always struck me it struck it you know in that sense of feeling seen as uh uh generally depressed undiagnosed uh quite possibly um um adhd right. thing i'm like oh i get that i feel louis like out of sorts with everything um, but at the same time, he's using that as a very, uh, as Jen put it, passive aggressive way of not taking responsibility for anything. Yeah, he uses that as, as a shield, you know. It's just, yeah, I don't have to connect with anything uh, because I'm sad. Right. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't I, even take responsibility for being a slave owner. He's, you know. Yeah, he, let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, uh, you know says oh you know i was grew up on a plantation with with these slaves and like you know when he and he, all the slaves loved me because yes. i was a good good white man in the 1700s yeah, yeah. Right. no i love yeah the, that scene did make me cringe particularly now in 2024 of, right. of tandy newton being like you know are you our master still like right, we, we, just... we, we all really love you why don't you right. come to the slave quarters anymore i'm like well let's start with like you live in slave quarters one right um but you yeah. have them number two why were you there <laughs> yeah but like they're all like really worried about him i guess and i'm like you right. know it's oh i guess you are the benevolent he was the good slave owner i guess but right. um but yeah that but always even, he's not even good at that because he, he doesn't you know he doesn't front the responsibility of taking care of these you know no. these plays either you know he's no. just off trying to get himself killed and uh, yeah 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 well it's a good question yeah you're right like what happens to his plant what happens to all these people if uh when when he just you know dies of sadness right um or what happens to them after he and Mustad take off i mean but um he but, freed yeah. them as the whole place was burning right because he just shouted it out loud. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just shouts it. I don't think it worked that way. I think there was probably I some paperwork. Bankruptcy. And... Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, but yeah, he does yell that. You all free men. But I'm like, well, if only government officials were there to hear that. Um, right. Someone's um, out in the back doing paperwork as everyone's running. Oh, I think I think Louis just said they were all free. Okay, let's get that paperwork up and running. Right. Um, but. Um, but yeah, it would be uh, it would be funny if Louis was the same character as the uh, Brad Pitt's character in Twelve Years a Slave. Like you know, <laughs> he ended up coming up and building a gazebo, right. uh, and being the benevolent white man. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah, I have. Yeah, 
but I wasn't like, that impressed with it. Right? Uh, it's not that great. No, right. it's it was the the type of um, Oscar bait, uh, you know, racism movie that right is you know prevalent in in our modern era. But but Brad Pitt being a main producer, and it always struck me as funny that he's the he's the benevolent white guy at the end who kind of solves the problem. Right. Um, you know, always struck me as uh, a little self serving, but um, but yeah, it's um. But yes, you guys are right. I mean, that's not something I actually it occurred to me. It did the scene did make me cringe when she's like, you know, crying about him and stuff. And I'm like, he's the slave owner. Like mm-hmm. he's, you know. Um and for her pain, she actually gets mostly at. So right, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, she's helpful. almost certainly dead, I think. I mean, he does yeah. kill her off, but um, but yeah, it's um although that scene is is exceptionally well done, but uh you know, uh, I love the way the um, he jumps on her and like the tablecloth right. comes off the table. It's a striking image. Um, this movie's so well shot. Um, oh yeah, for it's sure. an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous film. Um, but uh, and so there's so many moments like that that are just like holy shit. This is, I mean, this movie opens with what had to have been an exceptionally expensive uh, overhead crane shot right. or helicopter shot of la of san francisco rather yep. is it san francisco or los angeles it's san francisco, san francisco. Let's go. Yeah. yeah um coming off the bay over the golden gate bridge and into the right. you know into the city uh and just being like it's one of those things that you know uh 17 year old me wouldn't think about but 42 year old me is going like that must have been expensive right you know, like, yeah. I mean, you could have just shot the uh exit signs off the highway say in san francisco display but no right. yeah. that's the time yeah, but they still take the time to put the uh, title card up. It says we're in San Francisco. Right. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just it's just extraordinary, and that's something that also impresses me every time, more and more every time I watch it. Is like I've become more and more aware of of film in general, um, and just the idea that Brad, that Tom Cruise is in this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, let's talk about casting for a minute. Yeah, Cause there's because. I think both Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise were like super surprising yeah. choices. Like I remember the first time I heard that Tom Cruise was going to be Lestat and I'm like, that's it. This movie's going to be garbage. It's going to be garbage. But um, he did pretty well for himself. Yeah. I think it's one of his best performances. I think he's, uh, I think he's on fire in this movie, but yeah. He's yeah. doing a lot to the role, I think. Uh... And that's incredible too, is that he actually right. cared. Well, first of all, it's like the idea is even in 94, that Cruz would take this role, right? Um, seems a little out of place. Um, and I would be one of those things if I ever met Tom Cruise, I might ask him that question and be like, What made you take Interview the Vampire? Because it doesn't seem like a Tom Cruise kind of movie, no. um, doesn't seem like his kind of role. I wonder if he's a fan, you know, if he read the books or or if just there was a dump truck full of money involved. Um, but Tom Cruise is a weird weird animal in the sense that he's unbelievably problematic oh. right um oh tim and i've talked about this i think before but yeah he's super problematic yeah. but every time i see an interview with this guy about film i like want to be his best friend like he's so passionate about film and um and so knowledgeable that right. i'm like he seems like he's a pretty cool guy but i know he's a complete nut job like you know but he uh, recently he did an interview talking with somebody they said what was your most like formative film and he picked the first film he had ever done and mm-hmm. talked about this story about 
you know, being on set all the time, even when he wasn't on the call sheet and like studying and going through and learning like every aspect of filmmaking and how that's like colored his career. And now, you know, you hear stories of the most recent Mission Impossible film where as a producer, he just sort of said like, we, we can fix this, uh, this problem. Instead of reshooting our ending, we just redo the score. Right. At the end of this movie. And it's like, and it's people are talking about like the balls that you have to have to make that call. Um, and that it have it, and not only that, but have it work. Right. Is um is testament to his actual ability as uh as somebody who understands cinema. Um and yet he's like the worst person ever. So it's weird. Right. But every uh, but I've always been impressed with him as a performer. And when in this movie in particular, like I said, every time I watch it, I see more, more nuance in the performance. Like there's more subtle moments that you just move past. Like in particular, this time around was Claudia is setting him up to kill him. Mm. She comes in, he's playing the piano and she comes up to like hug him and he's like still mad at her. Um, And he said, makes a crack about how she will never have boobs basically right um and she says why do you say such things and the thing is is that if you if you watch his face for just like a fraction of a second it falls apart like right. it hurt it hurts him so much to say that to her um it's extraordinary like he's definitely playing a man who's just like really lonely but he doesn't know how to do anything other than control right um but that he genuinely loves this girl um, but he can't help but be hurtful because it's the only way he knows to keep things controlled. Um, but I mean, just that that moment where I was just like, he's doing such great work. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about Tom Cruise's Lestat? Jen, you kind of mentioned it was a weird call. Yeah, it was definitely a weird casting choice um, at the time that it was made, or at least, you know, the Anne Rice fans believed it to be the death of the moon well even Anne rice wasn't on board with it and she wrote the damn thing right once but twice yeah (laughs) but um why was he why was he uh why was he an alarming choice as somebody who hasn't read the book in a long time i mean this is a guy who i mean think of his career up until this movie i mean he's doing you know 80s like comedy movies he's doing top gun top gun and action stuff and then all of a sudden you're gonna drop him into like a romantic like you know historical historical drama drama, um about effing vampires like where where do these two things meet other than in the mind of a casting director um which is why they now have casting directors now going to be award-worthy which is exciting um because that yeah. it is like only you know you have to have a real vision for this and to be able to put those pieces together it is pretty surprising i feel the same maybe not as much about brad pitt as mm-hmm. uh louis um again he was a big name he wasn't it, it wasn't as much of a like you didn't have to squint as hard to see him in the role but at the same time you're like Ugh. and i don't know that and yes, you know, Louis, de- I mean, he does a good performance, but I don't know if it's like, it's hard for, it's hard for me to parse whether or not we could have had an actor that would have done better, or if this character is just such trash that this is the best we can get. Like, 
I've seen it enough times, but I still don't really like have a decent feel about that. And well, it could well, just be, and it could just be that like the way that they like like highlight him as a vampire is to make his eyes really pale and his skin really pale in a way that it wouldn't be pale with the color of the hair that he has and it just kind of seems like off-putting like you don't get those ice blue eyes with brown hair you don't right even if you're i'm sorry even if you're a vampire it doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) you can be pale and i mean it just it doesn't something in that connection doesn't drive for me right okay what would what what, what, yeah well i mean i i wasn't you know i didn't read the books until i got got together with you and uh so it wasn't really, you know, I, I came at it from a movie first perspective because I saw it, I think, in the theater uh, because, you know, it had vampires in it. So I'm, sure. I'm going to fucking be there. Right on. Um, And yeah, like, you know, everybody in this cast is like kind of at the height of their powers. And it's kind of, you know, surprising that you know they were able to get all the star, star power into this movie in the first place. Um, I, I was a little you know weird about you know tom cruise being in it because at, even at that point you know he's kind of famous for playing tom cruise in, in, in a lot of his roles who would agree i mean he was coming yeah. off of um born on the fourth of july and, yeah not all um, of them I mean, but, yeah you know, and uh he had also done um uh far and away by right. now too yeah and uh i wasn't a fan of far and away but that's for another day it's been forever right but, yeah um so yeah, it was it was kind of weird that you know this is like ostensibly a horror film, like or at least you know I thought it was going to be um, going into it, and to have all these you know big name celebrities in it was you know kind of weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just waiting for Antonio Banderas and Louis to to kiss the whole time they were on screen together, you know. But that's yeah. just me. Um, everybody, everybody wants to right? make out in this movie. Yeah, I mean yep. it's. Yeah. They never do. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, they leave Na- it for yourself. Right. 1994. Yeah, they weren't yeah. going to have guys kissing on screen in 1994. Right. But it's there. It's not even subtext. It's mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's tiny text. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the Lestat. And I mean, like the use of terms like companion um, right. in 94, you know, like that's saying something, you know. Yeah, um, and I and I don't think um, it's another thing I, I I found myself thinking about while watching the movie is the um, when Lestat turns Louis and how intimate and quite frankly kind of sexy that right. moment is. But there's no real cutaway. There's no body double. So I'm kind of thinking like of Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt doing this homoerotic sequence and being like, what? Right. What do they? What are they thinking? in 94 like what's going through their minds at that time are they heroes in their paycheck maybe uh or (laughs) but but they're both real actors yeah um so i mean i wonder how much um because i mean the the also at the same time this movie took sexuality seriously enough that there were major precautions with kirsten dunst right um again they knew this what the subtext was they're like oh no louis and claudia are a couple bro right um how do we play that with when kurt when without it being you know creepy <laughs> well it's still creepy but yeah um but without it being um a problem where they mm-hmm. you know and then they talk about you know three layers of pillows on brad pitt's um 
lap anytime right. she had to sit on his lap you know they would be like you know all these precautions to make sure nothing weird is going to happen um so obviously that with all of that in mind they all knew what they were doing right so i just find myself thinking about like you know tom cruise and brad pitt of all people having a conversation of okay how gay are we going right you know um you know, and then the answer being pretty gay, actually. Right. And considering how kind of problematic Tom Cruise is, I'm wondering if like that was a problem for him or maybe it's just acting. Although maybe, I don't know, Tom Cruise might be pro LGBTQ. I don't know. I know that he's a Scientologist. Right. But <laughs> he may not be that kind of asshole. But, but no, I mean, do you, do you see what I'm getting? You see what I'm saying? Like, I just find that interesting to be like, how much? I kind of want to know how much conversation went in mm-hmm. between those two performers at, as you said, Sam, at sort of the very height of their success to be like, okay, we're going, we're going to play gay people, right? Um, without saying we're gay people, and we're going to to go there, um. And it's just amazing to me that these two guys would take that kind of swing at mm-hmm. the time. Um, and get away with it. I mean, you know. It's- and get away with it. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, it's sort of like, I think it's probably the same attitude at the time was probably, you know, science. Nowadays, you hear about, you know, anthropologists uh, dug up a dug up a site at Pompeii and there were two women who were living together. They right. must have been best friends. um they were roommates uh you know it's like well no bro what do you think they were doing but um but so there's a lot of euphemism right with louis and louis and lestat where they're like oh we're just companions we're both vampires we're really close bachelors yeah but (laughs) whatever we do we're not going to say we're having sex right no we totally are um and so it's interesting to me that that but it, it always strikes me, in particular, that moment of of how homoerotic that sequence is, you know, right. um, the feeding of the blood and the. So, but Jen, what um, as far as the casting is concerned, so what about them in the in the books um, made you or or maybe other fans at the time so worried about Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? Like, what okay. quality? What well, qualities are t- they not bringing? Uh, well, we talked a little bit about Tom Cruise not really bringing that kind of like, um, he he he'd been in the same kind of roles multiple times, mm-hmm. so you know he was kind of walk. I mean, at that point he was kind of borderline, uh, you know, being you know cast as the same guy over and over again, like you said, playing Tom Cruise doing right. whatever. Um, Brad Pitt also didn't really have like a whole lot of roles that like had like an edge to them or that were dark at all Mm. um so again coming into a vampire movie where that edge and that darkness is the entirety of the backdrop and not having that was a bit strange um antonio banderas was also another like was less of an odd choice but that's mainly because in the book um armand is a lot younger isn't he like 17 or something he's like just on the cusp of would have killed him right um which is why when the whole claudia thing goes down in the book it's like a little bit it 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 feels a little bit more disingenuous because he's just like why would i have cause to do it i mean look at me and then they go ahead and kill her and he's like i don't know what you wanted me to say 
Um, so that so they cast him up in age, which right. um kind of took an aspect out of that whole scene series of scenes because mm-hmm. he was older. I mean, he was still like, you know, really, really liked Louis for reasons I really can't understand. Um, everybody, everybody likes him. Every, yeah, everyone thinks he's yeah. great. I'm just not, you know, I'm not feeling that funk. Yeah. But, um, you know, so there were like some very strange choices. And again, like the one that Anne Rice was um, vocal about was kind of like, oh, Tom Cruise, are you sure? Right. And he mostly hit it, so yeah. You know, I mean, she she came around to it, and you know, ended up championing you know the the film for and his role in it. So I mean, yeah, know. I mean it's not. I mean it's not going to be the way that everybody pictured it because right. it's an ensemble creation. But it wasn't but... like you know a Stephen King and The Shining kind of situation. No, where, you know, like... no, it was, no, certainly not anything like that. But it was still a bit surprising, right? Um. But um, yeah, I mean, like like I had interrupted uh, Nathaniel earlier. Kirsten Dunst really wailed on this role. Right. Yeah. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Back when he used to act. Yeah. Holy shiznit! I I am still amazed that um, a child of that age could really hit the uh, the marks. The, yeah, no, because yeah, the the concept of being an adult and a child, but never an adult and never a child, right. just really you know it's a very complicated um feeling and she was able to really get it like into everybody's face and yeah. it was fantastic yeah well i mean obviously this was a career making role for her right um you know this was the you know kirsten dunce will can and will do whatever she wants for the rest of her life kind of role um yeah and uh, it's interesting to me that uh, I was thinking about that too while watching it again last night and wondering um, how much how much she kind of knew she was doing. Um, because also, like I said, every time I watch it, I feel not necessarily less sympathy for Claudia. Right. But she becomes more and more of an antagonist in my mind every time yeah, I watch I mean, it. She's a monster and she's yeah. manipulative and malevolent. And, you yeah. Know, just... And she, because she didn't get to a point in her emotional growth where she was able to do anything but. Right. It's the same. I mean, it's the same thing with almost all these guys is that there's, you know, they may live forever, but they're emotionally stunted right, wherever, yeah. you know, they were, you know, caught in right. their life. Yeah. So again, it's like you're, you know, the adultiest adult, but you're still living the life of a kid emotionally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, yeah. And absolutely. Um, yeah. The, the emotional stuntedness of all of these characters, of course, it's at its core. Uh, you know, I mean, Anne Rice was knew what she was doing, I think, when she was writing it to kind of be like, here's people who are frozen in time um, and never get over their baggage um right. you know and um but yeah with uh with claudia and kirsten dunst i i that's what i found myself wondering is how much of that is not necessarily incidental or accidental mm-hmm. um but also like how much of it is is fully I'm trying to think of the right word I, i'm trying to think of a way of saying this without like without dismissing kirsten dunst's ability as an actor because i think she's nailing it here but as a child, it was kind of like I'm wondering how much of it is is First internally or like coach, yeah. maybe. Yeah, uh, you know how much how much is this sort of like unlikability of Claudia coming from the inexperience of the actor playing her? 
Um, and, um, and, and how it, but the thing is, is that even if that is accidental, it's a happy accident. Um, yeah. it's all moving in the right direction to make this character, uh, I think a one of a kind, uh, performance a, a very memorable performance. Um, I remember in the novel, um, this, she seems to, out of any of them, she seems to be the most book accurate. Mm -hmm. Is that true? I, yeah. I, it's been a long time. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I but I, she strikes me every single time as being way more antagonistic. Like, uh, you know, I still feel sympathy for her plight, but as we move through the story, it's sort of like that, like I said, I was coming around on this movie kind of being this story of getting wrapped up in a toxic abuse cycle right. of Louis keep getting involved, keeping be continuing to get involved with the wrong person because he, you know, uh, he can't take responsibility for himself. Right. Um, and so he keeps latching on to this next, to this more powerful person who then doesn't treat him very well. But I mean, it just struck me as like how emotionally abusive Claudia is in all of these scenes. She's just, she's just getting him, you know, I hate he's, you. I love you. He's though. a spoiled child yeah. who is manipulating yeah. her parents to get what she wants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I love mean, you. If, you've, if but... you've never encountered that child in the wild, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. you know, but hopefully she ain't going to is... poison you, you know. Well, but... I mean, to be fair, I didn't meet that child in the 1700s. So who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. But no, I just love the, uh, you know, I hate you so much, but no, but not you, Louie. I love you. Um, and I forgive you. That comes up a lot. Right. Um, you know, or I don't forgive you, and you have to keep earning my uh earning my esteem. And Louie just kind of being like, whatever you say, dear. Well, um, Lestat's not the only one who knows that Louie is in love with his guilt. So, you yeah. know, right. definitely you know that's you know, that's the way to get him to do what you need, ring that bell. Yeah. I mean, she's a she's a walking reminder of his guilt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um but no, it's the most it's the creepiest uh anchor baby I've ever seen. Right. In cinema too. It's uh, you know, um just the idea that whole scene is so in especially now in 2024 and as I've gotten older and I watch it like when Lestat turns her into a vampire and the way that scene is done and the emotional manipulation that Lestat is doing to both of them in that moment. It's I'm like, "Oh my god, he actually just had an anchor baby." to keep Louie with him. And, yeah. uh, but then he convinced the anchor baby to do the same thing to him. Like it's such a, and then the, the wonderful line read of, uh, she runs across the room and jumps into Louie's lap and Louie just says, you fiend. Um, <laughs> I, for whatever reason, every time that line read just nails it for me. Um, Brad Pitt is you fiend. And I love it. But, but yeah. Um, uh, Sam, what do you got? What What's the topic you wanted to bring up this week with Interview with the Vampire? Well, I mean, we we already talked about, you know, how, you know, I guess refreshingly gay this movie is. I mean, um, sure. mm -hmm. it's, you know, originally they optioned this for a movie like the year after the book came out, which was like what, like the 1970s? It was the late 70s, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know if they would have gotten away with any of this stuff, like back when they optioned the book in the first place they were, yeah you know um it's it's just a surprising movie in the way that it's just you know it's 
it's on the surface it's a vampire film, but you know it's really just about like the relationship of these two people and you know what how terrible they they are to each other um i don't know speaking of refreshingly gay the theater of the vampire was lots of fun yeah yeah. I mean, if you were wondering the if the playing whole... humans playing if, vampires, yeah, how avant garde. Yeah. I know that was so yeah. hilarious, but um, just the notion of you know there being that group of people who are bending the notion as to what vampires are and right. what mortality is. How did he not know that shit was gonna go really badly when he meets these people off stage? Right, and you know when when the only vampire you know is Lestat like it seems it seems to stand to reason that you would think that every vampire you meet is going to be a dick and he's like and, yeah and he doesn't he's he like he meets every vampire like you are you going to be my new daddy yeah for yeah. some first for somebody who is like so convinced that his world is shit and everything is terrible he does have a weird sort of innocence toward other vampires right. And you know they they all utilize that against him immediately. Well, yeah. When's the last time you because saw an vampire? vampire? You know. I, yeah, is, I, yeah. I do and love. It doesn't uh, take look. much to mistake innocence for stupidity right. or naivety. And you know, at the end, he has a barbecue that tells him what side of the fence he's on. Right. So. You know. Yeah, they they are. Um... I, I do love the concept of, you know, Louis' search for meaning in on life, um, you know, and of, mm -hmm. of searching for a source, something that will right. make sense of all of this. And then coming up with any time anybody says, oh, yeah, I could probably tell you something. They they don't know anything. Right. Um, but, yeah, it is probably. a it is a line between naivete and outright stupidity, you know, innocence and stupidity. And I think Pitt's playing it. Um, right on the line. Um, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't waver too far into one one side or the other, and you know yeah. that would kind of wreck it's the not, movie yeah. if he did. It's know? not apologizing for Louis at all. No. Um, as an actor, and it's such a it's such a great performance. And this is actually the beginning, really the beginning of Brad Pitt's career. Uh, prior mm -hmm. to this, he had only really done some smaller roles. Um, right. Right after that, he had done um, a river runs through it. Prior to this, yeah. that was his big claim to fame. Right after this, he does Legends of the Fall, and then um, uh, Seven, I think, come right. out right after this, uh, which is the beginning of Pitt's uh, stardom role, but also him uh, doing everything he can to try to get rid of the pretty boy um, image typecast. Right. Yeah, the image that he's been getting, um, where he's trying to play butcher men which is funny that this is the performance that begins that because he's as um he's very effeminate he's, he's as role. pretty as he's ever been in this, yeah you know? if not the most pretty he's ever been in right. this um and um but yeah it's um but the character he he really does pardon me sink his teeth into this role mm -hmm. um <laughs> it's a, it's a common it's a common phrase. It's just yes. a, using it here, and it turns into a double entendre. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he he really does get into this part. And one uh, one of the things moments for him that I have always sort of taken for granted or not paid much attention to is the scenes he's sharing with Slater. Right. Um, he's doing a lot with very little in those scenes. He's mostly just sitting in a chair looking at Christian Slater. But yet he's doing all this work. Right. While he's doing that, it's um, 
and he's he's playing an amusement he's playing a catharsis he's playing uh you know it's uh there's all this stuff going on with him at that moment that i, I think it's overlooked because it's not as interesting as his journey mm -hmm. through life um but um there are moments in in his past that he's often a passive observer in most of these scenes in his background right um he's not doing a lot uh it's lestat's buddy it's claudia's buddy it's uh armand will you be my vampire daddy um until he ends up you know literally lighting people on fire right um he's mostly just sort of going through life interaction by interaction um but he's doing a lot of really great work but i do love the um uh his eagerness to believe uh it really does give you a lot about the character but um and about vampire lifestyle um right. yeah armand armand's lines about you know what the number one thing that kills us is existential boredom mm -hmm. um you know and then he's like well what about your friends and he's like oh they suck like they're the <laughs> right. worst um you know it's uh and then we watch them doing these things and we're like yeah they do kind of suck um you know they're decadent they're useless speaking of um, useless the one that's a clown he needs to stop oh my god <laughs> is there a clown one i didn't notice a clown oh, one. the one that the one that meets brad pitt and you know like it's like so the mirroring... mime time oh steven rea yeah yeah just... screw that guy <laughs> That's an annoying ass vampire, is what that is. Oh, he boy, that guy oh, Stephen Ray is playing that entirely as I, you want to take a swing right. at me, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. the whole audience says yes. Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine seeing a movie in theaters. I mean, I imagine people probably actually like it was like Aragorn killing the Urukai at the end of Lord of the Rings, at the end of uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Like, I'm sure right. when Brad Pitt cuts that guy in half, people were probably They're cheering. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a moment of catharsis because yeah, that guy, he does suck. Um, but um I do love his um what Stephen Ray brings to that role in, in terms of uh being on stage in that movie. Those mm -hmm. scenes are so arresting. Um yeah. and um obviously it gets even darker, and the most shocking image of all of it is those, you know, black raincoat swarm right. on that girl. Um uh, and, and of course, how Banderas um, is such a uh, also an arresting figure. But um, Stephen Ray is doing that um, host bit in the Grand Guignol um, right. is is really something special, I think. Um, and how it's all being done for Louis's benefit. Um, they're all no, they're all very much aware of Louis being there. Right. Um, and Claudia being aware of that, Claudia being like, I got no lines in this play. This is all about him. And that pisses her off. Right. Um, it's it's yeah. just kind of weird that, um, you know, he meets this, you know, little vampire society and, you know, they don't have really a, a culture or a history to them. They're just, you know, everybody's just like living in the moment and in the worst possible way. Um you know, because his whole search was for to, to try to find meaning for, you know, why vampires exist, like what, what they're all about, how long they've been around, that kind of stuff. And 
it just turns out that like you know they're just nihilists they're just... i was gonna say they're like the circus meets the smiths it's right bad. yeah it's just you know... yeah imagine seeking out your lineage and then you find your people and they're all assholes right like yeah that's gotta suck i but... mean it i could tell you yes that that's true <laughs> yeah oh really is that your thing <laughs> but i met my i met my 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 birth family once and they were all assholes oh, every so. one of them <laughs> that's interesting um well i'm sorry but uh, another day yeah right but yeah just the idea of you know finding your um finding your heritage and finding out there's not much there um now correct me if i'm wrong now armand says um he's the oldest living vampire but that in the books that's revealed to either be a lie or a mistake right yeah they um they actually go way 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 back but you know the Europeans think that they are the beginning and ending of civilization. So, I mean, right. you're gonna get that. So did and he? There's so many, and there's so many like disparate factions at the time that this book was being narrated to the Christian Slater guy. Like they weren't all talking to each other. But as far as this book is concerned, in and of itself, he's, as far he's, as Louis yeah. knows, Armand is the eldest. Right. Mm. Does Armand think he yeah. is? I can't um, remember. Does Armand think he is, or is yeah. he lying? Yeah, I, I I think he finds out that he might be wrong later. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I was I, I've I've had these books kind of explained to me here and there, right. but I've never actually read them. I did um, it a little bit. This one's the good one. The other one's what I hear, read yeah. like uh, official fan fiction um, written by the original yeah. author. Yeah, in the writing of Interview with the Vampire, you can, and even in watching the movie, you can almost feel the click where Anne Rice falls in love with Lestat. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like you can almost feel it. And the rest of the series, um, I mean, even book wise, it says Vampire Lestat, Queen of the Damned. Like it's, you know, goes much further than where this book started. But um, yeah, Lestat is like a much bigger deal as the situation right. goes forward. Right. I never read. That's part of the reason why I never read them is that uh, when people told me, oh, they're all about the stat. I was like, really? Yeah. The Louis well, the I mean, there are other characters come and go throughout them. Yeah. Um, and, and later on, she did, you know, books on like individual ones that were on the stat. But I don't I don't know how those turned out. Um, I think after like the interview or the Vampire Chronicles, she did a lot of like people who are like second or third tier vampires right. kind of like a dig into their life yeah it, it gets into like dune territory where like the later dune novels are like you know about each of the houses and stuff like that mm. you know, there are seven duncan idaho right, yeah, about each right. so like yeah. the, or like uh the star wars franchise like yeah, now yeah. it's yeah now it's stories about like i think rift tracks makes those jokes and escape. yeah <laughs> yeah somehow palpatine returned yeah. Um, but no, in uh, I think it was Rift Tracks made the joke of like you know random robot shows up, random droid in in one of them. They're like you know in the new Star Wars, there's going to be a three picture deal entirely right. about that robot there in the background. Um, that it does start to feel like that where we're like, wow, we're really doing Boba Fett, huh? Like BB-8, you know, the trilogy. Yeah. What's that BB-8? Buy two of you so the kids don't have to share. <laughs> um that's also riff tracks like every time bb8 speaks right they they you know buy me buy my products like it's that's the joke but um but yeah so i mean it's uh, i guess it's sort of like that where they have to you know where these franchises start being like well we're going to talk about this asshole over here right that sounds like what it is but i think as soon as i was like i was curious about reading 
um, some more of them. I dated a, a woman who was into them um, many, many years ago. Um, and uh, like when I was in like, I was like 22 and she was like, uh, she was really into them. And she, uh, she was like kind of telling me about them. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound like anything. I'm like, does Louis ever appear again? She's like, he kind of shows up in the background and right. like Queen of the Damned. And I'm like, really? He's Isn't he the interesting one? And they're like, well, unless that, he goes and becomes a rock star. I'm like, yeah, now I'm definitely not reading it. I can't think <laughs> yeah, of a larger. That, was, that's yeah. a, that is a, it is a hard roadblock to get right. over. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's one of the largest shark jumps I've right. ever heard of in and fiction. It's, you know, it's, it's good that they never made a sequel. But um, bum, bum. Uh, yeah. Uh, someday we should cover Queen of the Damned, really, because it seems like the type of thing we cover. But um, it is the type of thing you I, cover. But yeah. it's, it's I just not... have a problem with it because it's one of those movies that was made to uh to keep the rights. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it's then... an, it, I don't know. It it doesn't hit all of the notes from the book, even. Right. So you're kind of left watching it, like I'm not even sure what this is. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I'll ask you both this question because I mean I don't want to get off too in too onto Queen of the Damned, uh, right. mostly because it just feels mean spirited. Um, but <laughs> that we're just gonna you know trash this movie, which is one of the reasons why I think we should cover it someday, so that we could be like, well, let's find good in this thing. Right, but right. Um, we'll save that for it, Vampire Month four, more, you know? more, more three or four. Yeah, um, I, I can't think of another sequel. Maybe Silent Hill um, Revelations is close. Of uh, any other. Any other sequel that was as steep a drop, right? From Interview of the Vampire to Queen of the Damned, um, uh, do you can you think of one that's that's more than that? I, again, I don't want to be like let's pick on Queen of the Damned, but um, in your travels, can you think of a sequel that's of lesser uh, of that big of a drop down? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Did they make a sequel to that? Yeah, they sure did. Oh, is that a sequel didn't... or is it just another movie? It's a it's a it's supposed to be a continuation. Oh, okay. I believe. I don't know. I don't. I never. Watched I that. have not seen it either. So. But from all uh, yeah, from shock all treatment. shock treatment, yeah, from all sources, people are like, "Wow, this is wow." No, right. <laughs> I can't really think of one offhand, but I'm sure you know, given enough time, I could. But uh, it's just yeah. After such a you know really surprisingly good movie like to to come out with you know queen of the damned you know 20 years later or uh, maybe about 15 years yeah later. it was uh, it was a while yeah 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 but uh yeah it's just with uh baffling. jonathan yeah jonathan davis of corn right um, <laughs> coming out of the mouth of um uh whatever that guy's name? name was he was hot for a minute there and then they... he's in a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. um and he's actually not a bad actor. I I just wish I, I could remember his name. Off I don't recall him being bad in that, but he's I not bad. I recall it. that yeah. the that the uh, source material was tons to work with. Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, the uh, material itself, uh, the script and everything was. I can't remember what it was, but Lori and I watched it um, when we were together, and mm -hmm. there was some line in it that I, I honestly I cannot remember for the life of me what it was that we just found so funny uh and we would quote it to each other like all the time for weeks um but <laughs> Stuart townsend is the name of the job oh, there you go yeah um and he's um he's actually a pretty good actor um but um and he and you're right he was hot for a little bit like he was in a lot of stuff um around that time but i just i can't think of another movie that i'm like uh, another sequel 
that I really think was as big a drop right. uh, in terms of quality that you, you make a, I think a legitimately great film in view of the vampire and its sequel is queen of the damned. I know it has its devotees and it has its apologists and there are people that really love it and more power to you. But um, I mean, maybe if you compare like planet of the apes to some of the later sequels, like it, you the know, TV movie one. Yeah. Yeah. The one where they're like just in a, in the desert with like a bus, a school bus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like, well, yeah, but, I was going to uh, say like, maybe but that know, was kind of a, a decline over time. Yeah. That wasn't a, right. Yeah, I'm more talking about like, you know, one that like, I mean, you could make an argument of like, if you wanted to go down a long enough timeline, it'd be like, well, Night- a Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's dead, you know, like it's, yeah, there's a pretty steep drop. Halloween there. ends, you know. Like yeah, right. Good. Halloween to Halloween ends. Um, uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm talking about just like a direct sequel and be like, right. wow, um, we just lowered the bar. I mean, really you know, far. if you put aside like all the like, you know, the direct to video sequels to movies that never should have got sequels you know, in the first place like then yeah that's yeah i can't really think of much else that would mm-hmm. well yeah apologies to apologies to queen of the damned and its fans yep. um so jen you said uh you you uh you were talking a little bit about casting but you also at the beginning you'd mentioned um choices made uh with this adaptation uh, are there any like story or or thematic changes that particularly come to mind, or uh, um, really the really the thing about um, how it how it changes the Paris vampire storyline if Armand presents younger mm-hmm. than Antonio Banderas or than um, than Louis. Um, it, it changes how the treatment of Claudia is taken care of. If he was very young too at the time that he was made a vampire and so that he could understand things more and then lets them burn her anyway because he wants Louis. Um, when he looks like he's in his mid-30s, it does not deliver the same punch. It just kind of like... He kind of like, well, that's some crazy vampires, and then right. just kind of walks away from it. But if it was like, well, that's some crazy vampires, and you also look seventeen, that's kind of a difference. Wasn't Claudia together. like a lot younger in the books too? I don't think she could be younger until X. Like, right? Yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. something. I think the book said she was nine years old or something. Yeah, yeah. So she was yeah. eight or nine. Right. Something yeah, like that. and then the movie, I think she's twelve. You know, because eleven or twelve. Really yeah, get an actress for twelve. You know, to do any good work. Yeah. yeah. You you just I mean you just can't. There's yeah, just, it, there's there's it's, laws. <laughs> it, it's impossible. <laughs> right. So don't try it. Um yeah, so that might also have been a factor. Um again, we kind of breeze pat gently past the whole slave owner situation right. without really addressing it at all. Um not like I'm saying that he should go and hand out writs to everybody because he's just that kind of like savior, right. but they just do not talk about it at all right. until it's something that he can do in passing while he's burning his whole world to the ground. Right. Um, I also yeah, do yeah. like how um, there's this whole, the whole thing, and it's, I guess it's a vampire truism throughout, like the burning and to kill things is cleansing with fire which is what the sun does in the morning and it all 
you know, we can't see the sun, but I will burn you to a toasty crisp. Like I, I like how that type of that type of cleansing has both good and bad connotations throughout the throughout right. their struggles. I think that that's an interesting dichotomy. Um, and honestly, the first time I saw the movie, I like sobbed ugly fat tears when Claudia died. <laughs> when it's he nudges death. the ashes and they just go down like, oh, and he just no. stands there for five minutes getting covered in ashes. Yeah, well. Ashes. The only thing, yeah, the only thing about that. Like yeah. you mean, you're entitled to compensate. Right. The only thing about that scene that that's, that doesn't quite work for me is, or distracts me rather is we got the other vampire in the room, right. the woman who just got made. And for whatever reason, my I guess it's probably my my riff-addled brain. All I can think about most of the, in that scene is that's got to be the least successful vampire in the history of vampires, right? Like you know, you he, get made and then like be he like shields her with her body to the yeah. very end. Mm-hmm. That is successful being being alive, regardless of whether or not you're a yeah. vampire or not. Right, that's... Right. I also kept thinking. I feel like the dress probably could have provided ample coverage yeah like the maybe they could but... have made like a little tent out of it, I it was gonna get you done, know, yeah. the big bustle i think you've got a point yeah but that's just my riff addled brain i think right. i mean obviously the scene still is still effective and it still works oh, i did uh, say but... when i first saw it which was you know 20 years ago <laughs> use the dress 30. oh my god shut up <laughs> yeah use your dresses <laughs> they can protect you from the sun um but no, it's a great scene, and um, and I, and that whole that whole bit of like even him yelling for Armand and Armand just right. sort of shutting the door, uh, so that we know he's complicit in all of this. Um, it just really is effective. Um, and I do love, uh, and I think that's great when when Louis has the conversation and he's like, "That's how, you know why you allowed Claudia to be killed," and he's like, "I didn't." He's like, "Yes, you did. Right? Quit li- don't lie to me. Like I know you did." Um. And that's why you could say goodbye to this. And then he walks away, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, snaps his fingers. Um, you, you had your chance, honey. All you had to do was, uh, you know, not kill her. Uh, and I was just going to go off with you. Uh, Claudia and I broke up last night, bro. Uh, yeah. And then you killed her, um, which is, uh, you know, again, part of what makes the scene work is that Louis like, I gave up the last of my humanity to give, claudia what she needed to move right. on with my life to move on with her life and that way i can move on with mine and then you had your thugs murder her kill him, and yeah. kill the whole thing um at least with lestat there was at least some argument that lestat wouldn't let them go um right. however they never actually talked to about it so who knows I just like yeah. how they, they they keep thinking they've gotten rid of Lestat and he just keeps tur- turning back up. You know? Yeah, nothing could kill him. Right. Yeah, he just keeps on making it. Isn't there some sort of re- in the books? Uh, ultimately, doesn't there some sort of re- that he's special or something or like even more magic than the others? Is that a thing? I don't recall hundred yeah. percent off the top of my head. I mean, other than like he's a hundred percent special in that he's got Anaris's attention. Right. Right. Yeah. That's all the special yeah. you need to be as a character. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. I mean, if you're if you are the author's pet, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. Um, no, I love. I, I do think uh, it's great that he, in the way Louis's narrative even approaches Lestat. You know, he's oh, then I saw him again a couple of years ago. 
Uh-huh. Um, but I didn't really care. And I'm kind of like, you're going to care in about five years. You know, it's, it's, it's the type of dismissal that only comes from, um, you know, I'm going to tell you I'm over this and then, but I'm really not over this. And, you know, Lestat's going to pop up, uh, back up in his head. He's going to be like, don't, whatever you do, do not call him. Don't call mm-hmm. him. You're thinking about him. Don't call him. I wonder what Lestat's up to. Um, <laughs> is he thinking you know, of me? <laughs> yeah. Is he thinking of me? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, what do you guys, so I mean, like, well, I guess, what do you guys make of that overall relationship, Louis and Lestat? Like, what does that, um, how does what that strike you? Fuck? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, Louis, and even if I didn't know that there were other books, right. I would have to say that Louis and Lestat are never going to get rid of each other. Right. Because they, you know, fell into each other at a bad time in their life and they would make things better and worse for each other. And they're just too connected to stay apart for long. Even if that's bad mojo for either one of them, it's just going to keep continuing forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, every time he's just like, yeah, I don't need him anymore. And then he's like, wait a minute. I mean, yeah. and, Lest- and even as far as, you know, Lestat may get in the world, Louis is always going to be the one that he wanted the most and who keeps telling him no. Mm. And who can who can resist the siren song of turning around the mind of the one person who was the one who rejected you? Right. I mean, if you're if you're in an adolescent emotional state, that's that's something that's hard to walk away from. They do end up together again, don't they? In the series. Yes and no yeah. and sometimes and not. And... Yeah, I thought I read in like a wiki in a wiki somewhere that they were like, you know, that in book in a book that Anne Rice wrote like like five six years ago before she passed oh. away. That it and she ended the series with them getting back together and like living on an island somewhere or something, but I can't remember. That. A, you know, they kind of just need to be in a place where there really isn't much other socialization, and right. they can just, you know, yeah. join each other's nerves forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, I but I, yeah, I could be wrong, but I do think they do. Uh, I I feel like she ended up, you know, the end of the the end of the whole thing is Lestat right. and Louis are together. Well, she did yeah. a lot of lot more books than we've read. Of- so yeah you, yeah you stopped in like the 2000s yes then, yeah. i stopped around the time where they started doing the one-off yeah i remember reading um part of I think it was pandora yeah um there was one that was about a girl in greece or something and she was a vampire mm-hmm. um and i think it mentioned something or other that uh, about armand i think at some point right. or another but it tied in somehow her. Stop yeah. Queen of the Damned. I think that was probably the last one. Yeah, it's pretty much as far as you needed to go. Because that was after the Tales of the Body Thief or before. But I've ever read that. But the yeah, you did because you had the book. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't buy the book. I didn't rent it from the library. Huh? I was gonna say, but I read, we have a lot of books. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I think maybe what we might be hearing is that you got the book for her and she didn't read it. So. Yeah, that could so, be. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Get it's... me in trouble, dude. I can do that by myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, I've been given. I've been given tons of books that I never read. So it. Uh, it's not, and it's not a. Uh, not a reflection of the my my feelings for the person that gave it to me. It's just I never got around to the damn thing. Right. 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, from what I understand, what the few times I've really interacted with somebody who was a really big Anne Rice fan was more or less Queen of the Damned is it for most right. of them. They don't, they don't read past that one very often. Um, but, um, and then I guess, but I'm sure there's, uh, there's dozens of them. So there's gotta be a fan base that, yeah, yeah, there is. you know, yeah. follows all this. I mean, Anne Rice wasn't just writing into a vacuum. So, um, yeah. you know, I know she got into like her Christian porn stuff or whatever, but right. Um, she's dead now, right? Yeah. She died yeah. a few years back. Yeah, a few years back. I think we remember, I think we mentioned it on the show. Yeah, actually. I think so. Like we were recording something and we were like, oh, Anne Rice died. That's a right. big deal. Yeah. Even as, uh, she even contributed though, a lot. Oh, for sure. And in terms of mainstream, mainstream genre fiction uh, right. that reached a lot of people. I mean, like an interview with vampires, huge. Um, yeah, well, you know, we've tried to, you know, this time and last time on you know the vampire months we tried to hit on the the ones that had a big a big impact on you know the mm. the genre of vampires and you know the the culture around vampires and you know this is definitely a, a big big piece of that well this changed the game right i mean vampires moved into an entirely different direction um you know the mopey uh, tortured vampire starts here. Starts here, yeah. Yeah, they were monsters, outright monsters. Right. Prior to this, they were like you know, Dracula was not a sympathetic figure. You wouldn't have had Bram Stoker's Dracula the movie without no interview no. with a vampire. Uh, you know, like uh, they were, and in Anne Rice, it on my DVD of this, it starts with a little introduction mm -hmm. with a couple of people. It's Louis uh, Louis Jordan, um, uh, Anne Rice, and Antonio Banderas ah. making a few statements. Right. Um, and am I saying like, well, where I keep this book kind of came from was reading vampire fiction and being like, um, I'm the vampire is the interesting one. Why aren't we talking about what they're doing right. and where they come from? And so she's like, well, I'm going to write that book, you know, and um, and then Antonio Banderas said, kind of says, you know, you approach vampires. He's like, there are, uh, you know, 30 different types of stories you could tell. Right. Um, but he's like, I don't think any of them will ever be as, um, as what's the exact, what's, what is it? He said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to paraphrase, but basically none of them would be as meaningful or right. as, um, as intense as the film we've made. Um, and I think he's right. I mean, this film mm -hmm. in terms of approaching the vampire as a fully fledged character, um, with a lot going on. Um, and like I said, the, all of these performers in this movie are, are providing a level of nuance um, that maybe the genre had never really seen much of before. Right. Um, especially the vampire subgenre, but even the horror genre, I don't think has ever gotten this uh, had ever had ever rather uh, really ever gotten this deep into character work. No. Um, I can think of very, I can't think of many films, maybe, you know, the exorcist, maybe, mm -hmm. um, uh, where you really delved into the inner workings of somebody in a really, really weird situation, right? a unique situation. And I love that about interview the vampire. Again, that's one of the reasons why I think the sequels never appealed to me is I love the idea of, uh, vampires going hundreds of years without ever running into another one. Mm -hmm. Um, that scarcity to me made sense to me like you know when louis like they kill off lestat and louis and claudia are like we can go try to find some more vampires and like, we have no idea where any of those are right um 
And I love that idea. I love that they're scarce, that there's very few of them. Um, and, and then it's the, weird because a lot of the what morphed out of this, you know, this book a lot of them. is is that yeah, there's a whole society of them, you know, mm. and just underneath the surface. So. And they have schools. Hmm? And they have schools. They have schools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which what are you talking? Which what are you referring to? Um, what's it called? It's a series of oh, Vampire Academy. Yeah, Vampire yeah. Academy. Yeah, there. I yeah, I've never seen any of that. Um, I do know that some of the antecedents of um, of Interview with Vampire, like um, Vampire Diaries, mm-hmm. um, or even Twilight, um, tend to go in that direction of there's a society, right? And they all keep in touch, and and they're all like upper class, and you know, yeah, they're also upper class. You know, they invested that one penny in 1798, and but have been living off the interest. But ever there's since. there's got to be ones like you know, like in the Sandman, where you know they lost everything 200 years ago, and they you know just been living you know hand to mouth since. Yeah, or um, preacher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. Like Cassidy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just drive around in the back of a truck. Yeah, and that guy yeah. in the Sandman wasn't a vampire. He just didn't never die. Yeah, Hob Gadling. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go. Oh, he got better though. Yeah. Yeah. But he it was kept... funny when he had a he had a bad streak of a couple hundred years. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Dude, great, he's great, like, great. Are you, do you want to die now? Why? I've got so much to live for. Right. Did you ever see the show, Sam? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty great. Yeah, because I think the last time we brought it up, I don't think you had seen it yet. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was pretty good. And that episode was great. Yeah. yeah. The um um have you read the books out of idle curiosity salmon yeah yes i read them yeah oh it's been a while but i did read them. right um yeah same thing with interview i've only read interview i've never read any of the other Anne rice books um i think i tried to read some of pandora i think i may have picked up the vampire Lestat for about five minutes and put it down mm-hmm. um but um but yeah, I did read Sandman, and I loved I loved that book. I really enjoyed it. Um, I wish it were a little bit more affordable in trade paperback form. And it's, it's, yeah, it's it's tough out there. So yeah. I mean, right now, like the easiest way to find them is in those bound books, and those things are Not an cheap. investment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like like four hundred bucks for the omnibus or something like that. Now the right. you know leather bound volumes that I'm like yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I do have digital copies of them. At some point, I'll probably look through them again, but. But yeah, um, uh, any other subjects of Interview with the Vampire you guys wanted to bring up in particular? Um, uh, do you guys like the film? Uh, yes, you know? I quite like the film, yeah, yeah it's okay, yeah, it's okay. It's not, it's, it's not in my, it's not something I repeat, like, this is the, probably the first time I've seen it in 30 years, apparently. <laughs> Unless I walked in while Rich was watching it, I'm sorry, Sam, and then fit, you know, sat down to a watch the rest of it yeah what do you like about it sam i mean you say you like it but um just i think the performances are just you know outstanding um Mm -hmm. just it's got such a rich cast that uh it's hard to find another film that's like that you know except for like the outsiders i guess would be another film that i would would be like stay gold pony yeah (laughs) yeah and I don't really care for the outsiders because they made us read it in school. Um, I, I remember that. Yeah, that's, and, that's the the best way to get you to hate a book is to read it in school. You know. Yeah. 
I think yeah, I, was, I like it. It's you know, it's it's a fun. Um, I mean, not fun, but it's it's just a good you know relationship drama with you know blood sucking involved. So yeah, yeah. I think um, speaking of casting, I think I meant to bring this up. I noticed that at the, maybe you guys know this. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of uh, I let the DVD run all the way through to the through the credits, and at the end yeah. it said, "In loving memory of River Phoenix." Um, yeah, he was originally going to play the reporter. That's what I was figuring. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't look and, it up, and I thought maybe yep. you guys might know that information. But I do remember, and um, because uh, I and I was thinking about this not too long ago for whatever reason about like about River Phoenix, and I remember mm-hmm. there was a particular film that he was supposed to star in that he died right before, and they had to replace him. Um, and it blew this up, might, and I, this might have been it. Been it. Yeah. Right. Because I was trying to remember what it was. Because I was like, there was something that became mm-hmm. a huge hit that he was supposed to be in, and then he died, and then somebody had to take over, and right. everybody. And that's one of those. Because a part of me was thinking about that it might have been Titanic, um, that he might have supposed to play the Ca- DiCaprio role in Titanic, but I don't think that's true. I've never heard that, but yeah, um, but something like that, right? Uh, there was something like that that blew up huge, and so mm-hmm. like that, the alt reality brain you know, for right. a lot of people for a long time were what if he didn't, what would have happened because he was right about to be in a movie that blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may have been this one, but I did think it was interesting. I was like, I didn't, I don't, it didn't occur to me that he would have been in this film. And then I saw that in the credits and was like, Oh, that must've been Slater's role. Right. There's no way he was Lestat or. Uh-uh. No, no. So I was like, well, it's gotta be that. Um, But what do you think of Christian Slater's movie? It's not, I mean, obviously it's a thankless role. He doesn't have a lot to do. Right, but do you think it's distracting having Slater in that role? Should he have been more of a cipher? What you know? I don't know. I think he did fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it wasn't um, even in the book. It was. I mean, it was a character essentially there to move the plot along. Right. Um, it wasn't you know huge character work or you know any special effects or any of the cool stuff that any of the other people got to do. You know, he came in to do the job. He did the job. Yeah, yeah. I like his, uh, I like his panic at the end, though. I think that's played really well. But right, and he's the one that comes the closest to playing himself in in the movie. You know, playing, yeah, uh, as playing Christian Slater. You know, and, and I mean, who else is going to play? They didn't really, you know, they really didn't get much to do. Yeah, yeah. But I do love the uh, just like the part that always strikes me that he's actually performing is his genuine is he has the at the end of the story where he says, you know, he's really excited and he kind of like make me a vampire. And then like Louis like throws him up against the ceiling yeah. and says, uh, you know, and then um, lets him go. And this he's out, you know, right. he's he's like, you know, he even makes the joke of I gotta clean my shorts or something like that. Yeah, right. But yeah, I just that I'm like, that's other than maybe those couple of moments with Louie, that's the part where I saw myself in the picture. And I'm like, you know, yep, I'm just out of here running. Now, Jen, in the books, did did the book end with Lestat biting the reporter? It did, did? I believe. Okay. And that guy, he becomes a character, right? He ends up doing more stuff in the series? Later. Yeah, okay. I was trying to remember, that's all. But yeah, he does, I think he ends up I was trying to think. I was like, "Yeah, he does end up being a thing, right?" But mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> right. I I've, again, it's been a very long time, but I remember going, "Hey, that guy, I remember right. you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he got mentioned in another 
I think I saw him in the wiki or something that again he was mentioned up at the end too, but right. Became a famous writer or something like that. Vampire writer. But For the their... first vampire columnist, you know. Yeah. He runs the vampire daily blog. Right. <laughs> he writes the newsletter, sends it all out yeah. to everybody. Yeah. Um making sure everybody knows what Armand's up to. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. This week's anniversaries include. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And big congratulations to Armand. He's found another lover. It's another Wait, companion. Right. It's only his 17th in the last 200 years. Um, really yeah. holding himself back. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anything else? No, I think that's just about it for me. Uh, yeah, I think we nailed it. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's a great movie. I, mm-hmm. I, I really do think it's a... I, I love this film. I've watched it many, many times. And I, and every time I feel like I'm seeing more and more, um, particularly on the performer's end of things. Um, obviously, it's a beautifully shot, um, lavish production. Yeah. Um, um, he's, uh, uh, Neil Jordan is a, a, an excellent filmmaker. And, um, and so I think that it's, um, it's a pretty special movie to me. And I, I hope that mm-hmm. people, uh, if you haven't seen it, give it a shot. Um, I think it might get a little unfairly roped into, or maybe seen a little bit unfairly as like a kind of a little overly melodramatic, which in some ways right. it is, but you know, it's, but there's a lot more nuance to it. Um, yeah. and it doesn't take itself too seriously. I mean, I still laugh every time when Lestat picks up that body and dances, and dances around with, with it. it. Yep. Although the funniest part of it isn't the dancing. It's when he turns around and just drops it. <laughs> Right, <laughs> it's just mid-spin move. It just sort of lets go, and it just thumps on the floor. Um, makes me laugh every time. But, um, but yeah, um, I guess with that, I'll take us out. Um, yeah, and I, I'll say uh, thank you, Jen, for coming back on. Thanks for coming. Always a pleasure. Yep. Um, I always, I always happy to have you. So, um. With that, I'll say, um, remind you to keep it positive, keep it constructive. Uh, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans, uh, and be nice to each other. Um, and um, when uh, someone offers to give you the choice they never had, don't make that choice. It's a really bad right. idea. Um, the if now. there's if there's anything that the uh, interview with the vampire does, I think very very few other vampire fiction works do is kind of lay out how much it kind of sucks to be a vampire. And, um, and, uh, but it's funny that so many people who I think are fans of interview with the vampire is still like, I wish I were a vampire. Like, but right. they wrote a whole book about how much this kind of blows. Um, yeah, even, uh, even, um, what they, what we do in the shadows, the TV show, uh, Guillermo, the familiar, uh, wants to be a vampire because of Armand, um, uh, an interview with the vampire. So, do they give him a hard time about it? Oh yeah, they give. Yeah. they they never let him be a vampire. I mean, it's just you know, for various reasons. Yeah, yeah. At some point, I probably should check that series out. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I'm bad at checking out series. I I have right. people telling me I uh, somebody at works like you should watch The Curse. It's totally up your right. alley, and I'm like, I so I just don't watch series anymore. I I don't have the right. patience. Um, you know, my attention span has not gotten better. Right. You know, it's I watch a movie, I'm in and out, you know, but um, but yeah, thank you very <laughs> thank you very much. Good night and devil, no, devil, 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 devil.